I've always been this. An exhibit instead of a person. You are a person to me. You can be a person with me. I picked my own orange. George, I know you do not owe me anything after how I have behaved, and I know you do not like social events, but I need us to do something. What do you need? Our palace walls are too high. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to Bridgerton on Netflix, so sit back and relax, and let's get ready to spill the tea. Hello, everybody. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake. Well, actually, just Blake. Sorry. <laughs> I messed that up. And the reason why I messed it up is because I, oh man, I am all, I am all kinds of messed up from this episode. This Holy episode smokes. was a doozy for so many of us, but particularly Blake. So for those of you who are new to Blake and I, Blake is the super duper emotional one of us. Oh. If there's going to be crying, it's it gonna is be usually me. from Blake. Which is, and- which is wild. Because I normally I'm not like that, but for some reason with television, <laughs> oh, I'm like yes, you are, yeah, yeah. With, with TV, with, you with are. Television and film, I am a blubbering mess. Like I don't, I, I'm not like a super crier in real life. In real life, like when things happen with me, not oh, crying. Yeah, no, that's that is absolutely <laughs> not true. I'm kidding. Oh man, that that was that's brutal right there, Mary. No, you are the emotional one of us. I would agree. For 100% sure. I so, um if you also shed some tears in this episode, know that you are not alone. And speaking of not being alone, we want to make sure that you keep these podcast episodes um being shared with others. So, one of the things that you can do is you can actually head to our Apple Podcasts uh, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcast, that is actually one of the best ways for people to learn about our podcast. You want to write a written review, not just leaving the stars, but mm-hmm. leaving a few a sentence or two would go a long way. You can also share this in your stories and on social media, or just tell another friend who you know is really enjoying Queen Charlotte. And we want to thank our friends at jointhenerdclan.com who've also made this possible. We're pretty much like PBS, listener supported. And so (laughs) if this does bring you some joy, head on over to jointhenerdclan.com. There's lots of perks and benefits, including early access to uh, all of our shows if you head on over there. And it helps keep our podcast lights on and helps with all of our hosting fees. So thank you so incredibly much. Maryandblake.com is also a, a place for you to check out to see all of our other awesome podcasts and blogs. All right. And for you not to feel alone, we do have a Facebook community. You just search Mary and Blake yes. on social media. Uh, you'll find us on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, but we also have a group. So we would love for you to hang on out there so you can geek out about if you cried or not um, in this episode. All right. On that note, let's get into the show. I did it again. 
I did. This is the third time. You need to move the sound effect so it's up higher. <sighs> Play this, Blake. It'll be labeled. <laughs> Here we go. Right. So, um, this is the part where we get to talk a little bit about the music aspect. Uh, and for friends who are watching this on video, we apologize. Blake has been finagling with our cameras for an hour and a half before podcasting and still didn't get it right, Blake. It's okay. There it's we okay. go. Got it. <laughs> Got it now. So, um, <laughs> the music in this episode I wanted to especially highlight. So, we did not get a classical version cover of a traditional pop song. Yeah, we did. It, uh, in the last one. I'm oh, sorry. the last one. I wanted to say in the last okay. episode. So it was really nice to have that back again. It's something that I commented about, about how during the wedding dance of Charlotte and George, I, I missed that we had something like that. That was in the episode one. Um, and then we got Halo in the carriage ride, but episode two was completely void of a cover like this. So it really stood out in this episode when we got it. And of course we got Alicia Keys, If I Ain't Got You. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing it up right now, by Good. the way. So um, the vitamin C a, version? Uh, yes, just Good. give me a, give me right. a sec. So what uh, is really neat, uh, once again, I wanted to reiterate, I said this in our, our first episode, is that the cover pieces for Queen Charlotte are all done by um, women of color, by by, yes. by black women. And I think that that is super cool. We're going to have multiple Beyonce covers. But this one, Alicia Keys, um, the words, of course, they're pretty self-explanatory self-explanatory about how you know you can give me all the riches in the world some people want it all i don't want anything at all if it ain't you mm. and so i think it's really poignant because here's you know king george saying yes i'm the king but like this is all i've known all my life and you know i'm I'm pretty much like put <laughs> put on show for people. I have this really heavy, crazy job, but I have all the wealth in the world. I'm literally the king of England. Mm. But with you, Charlotte, I think I can accomplish great things. And then she kind of feels the same way. Like she has all the things in the castle. She gets to have all the dresses and all the parties and all the people and things that she can now do now that she's out of her honeymoon. But what she spends her attention on isn't watching little Mozart, isn't chatting with her friends, isn't, you know, picking out new dresses. It is looking at George as he's farming and that's what matters to her. So I wanted to share with you, in addition to, are you playing the song? No, but I will right now if Okay, like. yeah, start okay. playing it. Um, this, of course, is another cover by the Vitamin C Quartet. Um, they, they're usually who plays the pieces inside the Bridgerton universe. But a um, couple of fun facts about this. So this is by Alicia Keys. This is a 20-year-old song, so yes, you may feel old like <laughs> no, I No, you are do. old. <laughs> That's it, that you are old. This piece was written, though, by Alicia Keys when she found out that the 20-year-old R&B singer Aaliyah had died in a plane crash in the Bahamas oh. in 2001. Man, I remember that. Holy yeah. smokes. So, bringing you on back, wicked far ago, um, Keys was, like, on a plane when she heard of this, mm -hmm. which, like, how scary is that? Right. Like, you're on a plane and then you find out about another singer who dies in a plane crash and um, she was thinking about, like, how you need to be present in this moment and how nothing else matters but those that love you. And it was a really strong feeling that was present in her life at the time. And this, of course, just like blatantly put in her face, like, holy smokes, nothing in this world, no 
thing, no money, like none of this matters unless mm-hmm. you're actually here in this world. And I loved that mm-hmm. um, because, you know, as we go forward, George is physically in this world mm-hmm. for Queen Charlotte, but he's not necessarily always mentally there. And how difficult that is, which with what Brimsley even says, like it would have been easier in some ways had George died and Charlotte could have moved on in one way or another, maybe right. remarried, found another love, or at least like moved on. And yet he's here some of the time and then he's not here some of the time and how difficult that must be. Um, and that's why I think we see Charlotte kind of have a, a cold heart in many aspects as, as she grows up. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to point out to you is that not only do we have this version, but if you can click that next one. Oh, you want to go to the uh, next one? Netflix okay. actually did something really, really cool. Uh, They brought Alicia Keys back, and there is a music video of If I Ain't Got You with an orchestra of 74 women of color. And this came out on May 3rd. Um, It is led by South Africa's first black female conductor. So everyone, all musicians, conductors, Alicia Keys, like everybody, 74 black women, I gotta tell you, the the video is cool. Man. They dress all the women up. They do a whole like makeup. They dress them up in Bridgerton like gowns. And uh, if you read some of the interviews by these musicians, they say that this is the first time in their life this has ever happened. You know, if they're lucky, there may be like three other people of color in an orchestra with them because these are all classically trained um, instrumentalists, of course. And they said for them to sit down and not be so starkly a minority. Mm-hmm. But to also see women, um, a, a lot of orchestras are 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 pretty heavy in men. Um, yeah, sure. So, but for that, this was like the first time this has happened for them, and to be such a great number of these high level, like top notch musicians mm-hmm. playing this song uh, in this season that is really making such a strong statement about equality, um, and for them to play this along with Alicia, if you haven't seen this music video I highly recommend that you do I think that it was really really cool that they decided to do this not only to cover Alicia Keys song but then to do this full like full orchestra women of color um and make it in the Bridgerton verse you know with the outfits it's it's a really really neat thing by the way I just want to say this Alicia Keys yeah I I think she's Benjamin Button I think she's been sitting in formaldehyde for 20 years (laughs) not one (laughs) second of aging not one second no like, the, move over Brad Pitt. I mean, like seriously, Alicia Keys. Well done. Stunning. Well done. Oh my goodness gracious! You know, it is. It's funny when you talk about age when it comes to like Hollywood and people in in music. Yeah. Like I just learned that Adele and Taylor Swift are the same age. That's wild. I like. I can't even. I always thought that Adele was way older than yeah. uh, than than Taylor Swift. Not and in that movie Love Actually, Kira Knightley yeah. is only five years older than the little kid who learns the drums. Oh, five. Get just out five of years That's older. Enough. That's enough out of all of you. <laughs> so, needless to say, if you sit here and you're like, "How does Alicia Keys look that good?" It is the magic water mojo juice slash. They I don't have, know. They, you know, if and everything is is nothing. If I ain't got you, she's singing that maybe things to skincare that she can afford that none of us can (laughs) but Alicia Keys seriously this woman looks phenomenal all kidding aside she is stunning well done and and the video here is just spectacular if you you do get a chance go on YouTube check it out it's really it's it's definitely a work of art and I'm so glad that um, that Netflix 
Yeah, they just the went this extra level. Yeah. yeah, they really said like, you know what? Let's 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 go big with this. And I think it's a really cool thing. So definitely check it out, friends. Because I didn't know about it until I was researching it for this episode. I gotta tell you, Marvin. I I actually I think that this might be my favorite cover in all of the. Now Richard that you've universe. seen this. No, 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 no. Oh. I mean, but like, yes, that this certainly this helps elevates it. Elevate, elevate it, like mm. you said. But no, I just think even before all of that. I, mm. I think that this might be my favorite cover in the Bridgerton verse, next to Bad Guy. I thought the, I thought Bad Guy was a really cool cover yeah. too. Um, and then yeah, and then there was some other songs. In the, but in this the first one, just so the levels that yeah. happen emotionally in this episode yeah. and knowing the depth of this song, I agree with you. I mean, the song itself is beautiful and amazing to be listening to, but then when you know the context of the episode in which it's played, oh, sure. done. Yeah, it, it just takes it just takes <laughs> it. All right. So what I realized though, Marvin, is that we didn't go by our normal uh, thing here. No, uh, you looked at me. Because so I looked at I just... you and then you just took it over. So thank you so much for You're doing welcome. that. Okay, here we go. Let's let's figure this out. It, it's Is this going to be... This is the right camera. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this episode was episode 103 of Queen Charlotte entitled Even Days, which of course is a reference to the days in which the queen and king, they would, they would get themselves a little bit busy. Oh, can you do the two shot for a second? Yeah, I have a sure. fun fact about even days. Okay, if, hold on one sec. Friends, if you have uh, little ones in your life, and if you are, are lucky enough that one was born on an even day and one was born on an odd day, I'm going to make your life easy for you, okay? <laughs> Whatever day it is, that kid gets to be the, the chooser, okay? you get You get to have... The choice of, you know, you get to eat <laughs> your ice cream first or whatever it is. Like, that's how Blake and I solve a lot that's of problems true. in our lives. If it's an even day. If it's an even day, you know, that kid shares what went well for them first at school. That kid gets, we do like gratitude on our school ride. That person goes first. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get old enough that they can both sit shotgun, it's going to be dependent upon even in odd days. Like, it's <laughs> even in odd days, if you can, even if the kid wasn't even born on an even odd day, if they're both born on even days just give one of them an odd day it'll yeah. change your life having even an odd days <laughs> even odd days is the best yes. at any rate so All right, continue the uh it was entitled even days it is a reference to mary just does not want to be on camera right now <laughs> so i will go on camera there we go and um it isn't obviously what we talked about queen charlotte and king george have agreed to get it on on those days in order to do the royal thing which is make a baby and the writer, of course, once again, is the show creator of uh, this show, Shonda Rhimes. And the director, as always, for Queen Charlotte is Tom Verico. So that is that. Marvin, your cups of tea. How many cups of tea are you giving this episode? Oh, you know, this is so tough. Part of me wants to give it a 4.9. I think I'm going to. Uh, I'm giving it a 4.8 because I know that there needs to be some wiggle room, but you know Man, what? Let's do it here. at 4.9. I'll do a 4.9. I'm, I'm shocked. I thought you'd be five on this. No. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll save yes. it for okay. <laughs> It's right. a 4.9. Right, there needs me, some wiggle room. For me, I'm giving this a 4.79. Okay. Uh, I, this is an upgrade over the past two episodes. Uh, to be honest, the, the ending is what brings it to a 4.79. Mm-hmm. If this were anything else if 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 it weren't for the ending it'd still be in that 4-4 range for me uh, uh mm, yeah i'd say 4-4 um maybe a high 4-3 uh because there are some tropes but it's in here. not but whatever so it is what it is all right you're good Such you're bad nancy 
<laughs> well, listen. I know. Okay, we're going to get into it. Okay, so okay, my GBG. You're, you're GBG. You're good, my you're good, bad, and you're great. Okay, so my good, I have two. The dancing, because yes, we got the Alicia Keys. Yes. I like having me a cover when we're dancing. It just makes me happy. And Violet's dad. I am here for for Mr. Bridgerton. Yes. Well, oh, wait, not Mr. Bridgerton. Mr. Ledger. Mr. Ledger, excuse yes. me. Mr. Ledger. I'm yep. here for him. I love that he's like doing all these little winks and he just sits there. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Mr. Featherington, how he would just be like, yes, dear. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. What are we um, and I love that when Parliament is all all a mess, they're like, and and Lord Ledger. Oh my God, he can't get anything done. His wife doesn't shut up. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I, and I like that he was the first one to cross the line. Yeah. And ask for Lady Danbury's hand, saying, "You know, I like you. Let's be friends." Yes, sure. yes. It is a uh, question for you about, yeah. about this. However, as Lady Ledger would probably not like to hear that, because if I was a married woman and I heard someone's my husband Blake say, "I like you. Let's be friends," and then go dance, yeah, that would I'd be like that would not work. Calm well. it down. That would not work. You well. don't need to say, "Let's be friends." <laughs> We're not we friends. Do, no. We're not buddies. They just say thank you for this. You got a great place. I'm pumped. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to say I like you, let's be friends. That's a little crossing over the line. Uh, I'm just saying, as lady if thank, thank God she didn't overhear that, okay? Yes. Uh, my bad. Okay. Um I feel so conflicted about Lord Danbury's death because all of this time I have felt uh I felt like Agatha Danbury like her sex to her has almost been rape like like um what's that is it stockholm syndrome when you're like stuck with somebody and yeah. you end up falling in love with them because you're they're your captor like she obviously does not have a love story she talks about that in this episode how fortunate she looks at violet to be that really you know women's purpose was only for breeding mm-hmm. and um there is this huge age discrimination and i just discrepancy discrepancy <laughs> I got you. thank you um <laughs> so i just feel bad because you can see that agatha sometimes does talk to her husband like oh hey we could bounce ideas off of each other and it just shoots her down so he's a jerk she tries every once in a while but it almost reminds me of like a little kid like you know be seen not heard yes and um and so and every time she has sex with him like she is immediately in the hot bath like scrubbing herself feeling so disgusting like needing to wash him off of her Mm -hmm. so you know and we see her in all of these sex scenes which Thank God we don't have any more. Yeah. Thank God. Because that's my ick. That's that's my 4.8 is these sex scenes with Agatha have just made me feel so uncomfortable um, for her and the bathing and knowing that this is like really unwanted and to know that like in modern times um, that wouldn't happen or that maybe she would be able to speak up or that really like in modern times that would be seen as rape mm-hmm. and how um, in those times and, and in different cultures, like women are just meant for breeding and that is part of what they have to do, whether they want or not. And so it just makes me, that is my bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, I felt bad for her this entire time, whether it was good or bad news. Like here she is being like, yes, we got the ball. He's not going to be upset. Crap. Now he wants to celebrate sex. You know, there's mad sex or celebrate sex. So thank yep. goodness it's gone. Um, but I just felt bad, but I also felt super awkward when she was like, guess what, Coral, he's dead. Cool. Awesome. Let's go pretend stuff but it is so conflicted and she says that later to lady violet like i loathe him so Mm. my bad is just the feeling of loathing and i'm sad that she had to go through this and i hate i hate that for her sure my great is okay here we go (laughs) 
I'm so here for this. All of this, ew, what's up with King George? I don't really care for him that much. Turn my corner. Yeah. And I also feel like all of the sex in this episode Mm -hmm. remind me a lot of that movie with Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles' 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, yes. And I kind of, once again, had there been um, uh, mixed musicians that they covered songs for, I would have wanted, I want you to want yeah, me, yeah, yeah. to like call back to that um, that movie. Sure. But once I'm, I'm happy with the choice that they did. Yeah, the choice that they made was a good choice. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but it just, it was bringing me a lot back where I was like, where's Heath Ledger? Yeah, right, right. Okay, my good uh, is the line, you are not a simpering girl. Why do you not understand that you hold oh. our fates in your hands? And this to me felt like a a turning point for mm-hmm. Charlotte. You know, finally someone is there to, I mean, like, listen, there, there has been no, <laughs> there's been no shortage of real talk between Charlotte and Lady Danbury. Uh, but this is the first real this is racial the, talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no, but, but irrespective of that, it's just one of those moments where I think it's an awakening moment. Mm-hmm. For Charlotte, because she is so concerned with George, and she is so concerned with what is he doing? Is he why is he gardening? Why is he doing all this stuff? And sh- and, and it takes Dan- Lady Danbury to say, "No, y- yeah. you just have to recognize that there are f- yes, I, like it's okay to be yeah. concerned about this, but there are more things than that." Yes. And and. You literally will change the course of history if you do what you're supposed to do. And how incredible that Violet has that sight because she has never been distracted that we can see by love or lust. Yeah. You know, so she's always had um, a clearer focus. And she she seems to be a, a bit older, in my opinion, than Charlotte in yes. this series. Agatha, um, you mean. Agatha, not, not sorry. Not, yeah. It's okay. yeah. Um, Agatha. So, no, I love that. And also, you hold the fate in your hands. And of course, we get to that shot of Charlotte holding her womb, knowing right. that she is now pregnant. Or yeah. at least that's what I learned. Well, it's, you know what I mean? that's the universal sign for yes. television that a woman is pregnant. And so now <laughs> she does have the fate in her hands. And so I felt thought it was really poignant that Agatha says, like, you know, pretty much without saying brown race, without right. allu- without saying that, completely alluding to it. And I like that Charlotte's now able to say like, okay, my baby is going to be brown. Right. In this world that I'm now learning is not open to that. Right. So not only do I need to take care of my people, but I'm now a mother to all these people. Yeah. And I'm now a mother. Right. And I loved it. And, and then going from that point to then eventually after the party where – George then validates all of this mm. and says, we did more to change England in in one hour than anything that's else has been ever done in the history of this country. Right. It, it, it's it's a it's a phenomenal journey for Queen Charlotte mm. in this in this episode on multiple levels. And we'll get into the other levels in a minute. Uh my bad. Uh is similar to yours, Mary. I found the whole death scene with Lord Danbury to be very off-putting. I mean, he went out the way he would have wanted to. Let's be real. Sure. And listen, I get it. I Gross. Like, I, I get what they're trying to do. I get with Sh- what Shonda is trying to accomplish in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that it is almost a free moment for Agatha in, in this moment. It is uh, the moment where she can take her own... Um, 
agency into her own hands yeah. and and make the life that she wants to do without the shackles of mm. Lord Danbury and being constantly put down. And if that were the case and they stayed consistent in that, then I would I would be okay with it. Like her celebrating his death, like okay. giggling and being like it's, this is it. This is we're free. Blah, blah blah. Like I would I would understand. Okay. However, there were even moments in this episode where Agatha turns to Lord Danbury and says, like, no, no, you're just as good as they are. Like, she props him up. And she does it multiple times. But don't you think that that's the Stockholm Syndrome that I was talking about? Maybe so. She's so much younger than him. It made me think of a child and a father. It made me think of you. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But, okay, so even then, even then, even if it is Stockholm Syndrome, I, I still... If that is the case, you have to accept the truth of that syndrome, which is there has to be some sort of sadness. There has to be some sort of, there has to be a moment of realization that this person is dead. Okay, can I challenge and then even you? Her, and then even her overcoming that mm. and then doing the whole, wee, he's dead thing. Okay. Like I just, I found, I found it very tonally imbalanced. Or can Lady Danbury be the most Slytherin of our team here? Because no joke. I saw myself as Lady Danbury in these moments because there is someone that I loathe and I'm working on it, doing a lot of self-work. May or may not. But like, I know how to play that game with that person. And I would ask This person ain't me, right? No. (laughs) Good. No. Good. It's the only person that I really have that they're loathed. Um, and And I talk about like celebrating when he will die. Oh, okay. I I got you. And I knew how to play the game. Yes. And placate him. Because here's the thing. As Lord Danbury goes up in society and keeps trying to go to White's and keeps trying to go on the hunt and keeps trying to further, that helps Lady Danbury. Sure. So by her saying... Like, and sometimes he's the only person she really gets to talk to. She doesn't get to be like, oh, Coral, isn't it so nice that we're now equals in society? Because you're not. So right. the only equal she has in society that she really gets to share this with is Lord Danbury. And every once in a while, it's almost like I can either write in my journal or just say it to the person next to me. Mm-hmm. I've had to talk to this person multiple times in my life that I loathed. And like, you do. You can't just always sit there in silence. So sometimes you do have to celebrate the things that you have in common, um, even if they do ignore you. Um, And so I think that actually she is just a very cunning, she is like very cunning. I'm giving little, like I saw this episode as like, ooh, if I had any doubt what Hogwarts house Lady Danbury would be in, it would be Slytherin. You're a wizard, Harry. Talk about a goal-oriented woman. Totally agree. I agree with you on all fronts, Mary. Uh, lady- and as, as friends who are worried about my my heart and soul, don't worry. I'm working through my loathing. But I saw <laughs> this and I was like, I get it. I would agree with you on all fronts, Mary. Um, but I still, I still find it hard to accept the tonality of the scene. And uh, of course, again, I, I have to go back to your point. The, the the better that Lord Danbury does, yes, the, the harsh reality, the harsh reality is the better that he does, the better she does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a fact. So when she goes to um, Princess Augusta and she says, hey, listen, I want to make sure that my husband can go to White's and yeah. do all this stuff. I Yes, that makes sense to me. But she still speaks to him in a way that at least alludes to me that there is... Like what I I know who you're talking about for your case. Yeah. 
and there was n- there was no sort of affection in those in those conversations. It was it was one that was like expedient, not affectionate. And my sense from the conversations that she that L- Lady Danbury had with Lord Danbury, there was some sort of affection there. Like when she goes to him and says, "No, you're just as good as they are." Like don't but I you think that that's stop her saying it to that. herself. I think that's her saying it to her family as a whole. Like, obviously, we don't see her as a mother that much. You know what I yeah. mean? Even though we know she's had kids. Um, but I think that that's her almost just saying it out loud to herself. Like, Lord Danbury is the little devil on her shoulder. Yeah, fair. Oh, you know, they're never going to see us. No, they will. And we are just as good. Yep. Uh, and let, let me say this right off the jump. Like, what a... Uh, girlfriend has some great positive self talk. <laughs> this guy was not great. I, I seriously glad I mean, he's dead. Not great, Bob. And I'm glad he's dead too because the way I that he treated her. Because now I've just told everybody I loathe someone. They're like, oh my god. Well, I think you'll be glad he'll he'll be dead when he's dead too. So I know it. So I'm saying. But, yeah. So I'm saying I'm trying to work on that. <laughs> you know what? I, I I think you shouldn't even bother working on it. To be honest, it's not healthy. Yeah, but out of and sight, out of mind. that's what she says at this episode. That's what she says to Violet. Well, the difference between her relationship that she loathes this person, oh, yeah. there's a significant I'm not difference. raped by this person. Correct. Yes. In, in fact, this person's now out of your life completely. Yes. So, like, for you to sit back and reflect and say, yeah. I loathe this person that was once in your life, that was once a very large part of your life. And for those of you who are avid listeners of Mary and Blake, I think you can probably suss out who this is. Um. Yeah, the relationship difference there is is significant. So I don't think it's apples to apples. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay for What's you to not. Uh, so anyway. Let's be done with my loathing. Uh, <laughs> right. So it just, it is what it is. I, I, I'm i glad the guy's dead. I'm glad that she did celebrate, to be honest. I'm glad that she did all that. It just felt like a very tonal imbalance going from one extreme to the other without there being some sort of transition. Now, some of you can argue with me that, well, there was a little bit of a transition when she gets up and she looks over the bed, she sees him and she has a moment there where it's like a pause. I mean, you're looking at a dead person. Yes. I just, I didn't see sadness in any capacity. Does every person when they die fart and pee themselves, everybody? I think that I'm sure that it happens. Because I don't that know. would make me make a weird face too. I, that's true. No, but I, just in general, it's probably the first dead person that she's seen. Here's what close. I'll say: I don't know enough to say that. That is 100 percent accurate at all times. I will say that. I mean, maybe you just don't have any toots left in you. <laughs> maybe you're tooted out. Yeah. All right, my great. Listen, it's it's the end. the The end is perfect, and I'm I am fully bought in, fully 100 percent bought in. Because it's real vulnerability from both people, right? Like, you, we can talk about structure all we want. We can talk about the writing quality all we want. We can talk about, you know, the great experiment and how uh, Shonda is making Charlotte start in one place, travel through another, and then end in the same place each episode. Those are all valid conversations. None of it, however, means anything unless there's a relationship to be shared. Because everything means nothing. (laughs) I think this show exists for this moment right here. Mm -hmm. Right here. This is it. Um, And you can tell me that there is more things to come. 
Maybe there's better scenes to come, but this is it. This is the catalyst. And when she recognizes all of the things that have been happening and she can get to him because of Pharma George uh. and then recognize that she can be Venus for him. Uh, it's a stunning moment. It left me sobbing. I was crying for a good five minutes. Mm -hmm. Mary's like, are you all right? At the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, like, so I'm going to go brush my teeth while you get emotional. Yeah, like, get, get yourself together. <laughs> no, I let you have your moment. You did. You absolutely did. And uh, <laughs> you know what it is? It's because I think, uh, and so that's my great. Okay. But so let's get into the conversation because there are a couple of things that I want to ask of you concerning this me. scene. Okay. And for me, I want to begin with this. I think all of us have that moment in our relationships. You know, whether it is you who are the person saying, I'm Venus. Or it's you who are the person that needs your partner to say, I am Venus. Like, I'm your fire at your desire. Yeah, right. Uh, and they've, I love that Shonda has built to this moment. She's laid the groundwork for this moment. And, and it is, in my opinion, regardless of if you and you or your partner have mental illness in any capacity, it is a relatable moment because throughout all of this, we have ties to Venus. We have ties to we're a team. Uh, we have ties to Farmer George. We have ties to Charlotte opening herself up, uh, fi finding vulnerability in George that nobody else can see. It's a beautiful, striking moment. One that when I think back on this show, I will go right to this scene. Mm. Uh, and you know, you know when you're watching something great because you forget that you're watching a show. You forget that you're watching characters and actors and something that has been directed and written and, and, and composed and meticulously uh, poured over. And I forgot that I was watching a show at this mm. moment. And all I could do was just experience that emotion. Uh, uh. Having it at night and the whole, like naked and screaming and the kid who's playing King George is phenomenal. I yeah. got to give him a lot of credit. But my question to you, Mary, because I've been speaking a little while here, is should this moment have come sooner? Because when you look at it, we are halfway through the series now. Ooh, okay. You ready for this? Yes. I think it came at the right point. Okay. Because this show is titled what? Queen Charlotte. And so we needed to feel it from her perspective. If like we needed to feel the confusion and the, the being alone and the frustration. We, I have been frustrated with George for two full episodes, heck two and a half full episodes. I have been sitting here saying, I don't really know if I love this guy. I don't know if I love their love story. Yes. I don't know if I like dig all of this. I'm here cause Charlotte's fun and she's sassy and I love the outfits and I love all this kind of stuff, but I don't know if I'm here for George. I needed to feel that with her, just like I needed to feel the monotony of eating dinner alone. Yes. Okay. 
if this was, you know, the royal family of whatever years or King George, it would have been completely different. Yeah. Or royal love, you know, whatever they would have titled it had it not been Queen Charlotte. But I think we needed to be in Queen Charlotte's gorgeous shoes, which are changed <laughs> multiple times a day, um, to feel that with her, to question, you know, to sit there and to be like, okay, he's hot. Like they have all this sex and I'm here for it. But then he's kind of a jerk in the next five minutes. What is going on? We needed to have that complexity that yeah. she is in this episode questioning. I kind of dig him, but I kind of don't. I don't know what's going on. We needed to be with Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, you can disagree, but that's Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's not that I disagree. I went on this ride with her and I'm here for it. I'm thinking I'm thinking about it as you're saying it. And actually, I, I see the reasoning. Like, I, I see what... But I could see if people wanted to stop after two episodes, I could see that because it isn't the traditional Bridgerton love story. And the frustrations that they may have with with George as well, but yeah, once it, again, it's titled Queen Charlotte for a reason. And I would also tell you that if you're not bought in into the show by now, then I don't think you're gonna buy in, hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and you're, in my estimation, you're able to buy in not because this is the changing moment for Charlotte and King George. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't the thing that changes them. That already happened. Like, this elevates it. And this, I think, the, the, the Venus scene gets you to buy in as a viewer. But the relationship changes. Or the beginning of the change starts with her saying, our walls are too high. Right? That Venus scene has much more impact because of the walls are too high scene. Would you agree or disagree? Mm, yeah, I do. Yeah. The one that you played. Yeah, I, I think so too, because it, it's at that point, they had already said, you know, like it, they, they had recognized where they had got, that they, they had fault. They had, rec they recognize that they are a team that they have to do these things. Like they're together, no matter what, there are no more, even odd days, we are going to do this together. And that relationship is solidified without the crux of a mental illness. It mm -hmm. just, they both choose to move forward together. As a team. As a team. Mm -hmm. And then she's able to do the things that she's able to do because of that choice. Agreed. Which is why I say the Venus scene works very specifically because of the walls are too high scene. Love it. Yeah. And like in anything, Mary, you know, any drama, any 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 source of film or television, I mean it it is specifically dependent upon relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, any and, and the change of relationships. And relationships are dependent upon vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Right? If you don't have vulnerability, if you don't have something that each character can relate to each other and each viewer can relate to those characters, you're not going to have an effective drama. Yeah. That just, it is what it is. And I think we see vulnerability from the king and, and, and the queen, but we also see it, I think, from Agatha yeah. uh, eventually in how she relates to- Elder Agatha. Yeah, Elder Agatha in how she relates to, to Violet mm -hmm. and, and, and Violet. Unfortunate. Right. <sighs> this episode. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Mary, I, I feel like I'm talking, so I, I don't want to keep talking. So you, you got to talk for me here a little bit. 
Because the ending, it's excited me. It, yeah. it has excited you. And and understandably, I think, you know, I think right now I just want to like check off some boxes and make sure that we touch upon different things. I want to spend a little time with young Violet, Violet Ledger. Grows up to be Violet Bridgerton. Yes. We, of course, spend way too much time with her racist, like idiotic mom who I can't stand. Lady Ledger, who mm. is, you know, one of the just a straight women, up racist. Just, yes, is and- absolutely the worst. And then the father dearest who, you know, thinks that Violet is is the sun and moon. Are you, are you getting a little bit of sexual tension between Lord Ledger and Lady Danbury? I already told you I felt uncomfortable with what he said. I know, but just even beyond that, like not just what he said, but like. From think, her, no. Do you I don't think that there's going to be something going on between the two by the end of all of this? That would be weird. I know. That's why I'm. That's why I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that'd be weird. Yeah. Um. All right. And so all of the conversations. I love young Violet. She is so much more feisty than I pictured. Violet yes. to be, and I love that she's brainy and she's so smart. Might be that daughter. And right now, I'm oh like, God. I need the next spinoff to be the Violet becomes Violet Bridgerton. I need her love story. I need this brilliant woman who wants advanced mathematics. I want her meeting her love. I want the birthday hats because I'm here to say I think that the most um, like fairy tale love story out of all of them will be Violet Bridgerton's. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like to me, you know, because everyone else has all these complexities and it's not to say that it's the best because obviously the Queen Charlotte and George one is so complex and dare I say almost real aspects to it sure. because of its difficulties. But I just feel like, oh my God, like everyone wants, you know, the Violet Bridgerton yeah. love story. So I really hope I'm crossing my fingers because if that continues to have these flashbacks with the elder versions of the characters, to you know, coming back and forth, I mean, that woman just is like, such a believer in love. Like oh, sign yeah. her up to be the CEO of the of Disney next because <laughs> she is just here for all the fairy tale things. And also loves being a mother. Yeah. So I find it very interesting that she really wasn't cared for in this beautiful way by her own mother. Mm-hmm. And yet that is something that she longed to be. She ends up having, you know, the eight children herself. She passes on, especially to Daphne, how wonderful motherhood is. And I think it's so interesting because we don't see that aspect from Charlotte or from Lady Danbury. We see Charlotte, you know, carry her, uh, hold her womb in her hand. But then as her older daughter, she's just kind of annoyed. Like, why haven't they married? And Brimsley has to say, it's because they feel bad for you. Yeah. Um, and they love you. But I don't really see Lady Danbury or Queen Charlotte Charlotte being like, I can't wait to be a mom. Like, it's not like Queen Charlotte's like, let's have sex every night because I can't wait to be a mom. No, she says, I have to make an heir. It's like right. kind of a job. It's a duty. Whereas with Violet, the way that she loves motherhood in her older years and just embraces it, it interests me because she did not have that kind of a caring mother. Right. But she had that from her dad, it yeah. seems. Yeah, certainly. And she, it, it looks like she wants to impress that upon her children. Yeah. Uh, the, the And even though it, it might be... <laughs> might be a little pie in the sky. There is room for love and there is room for, um, there is room for family and, and, and fulfilling the things that you don't have. And it's interesting because, you know, Violet talks about 
tradition and in these family things that you get to do. And we talk now about the birthday hats. And Queen Charlotte does have that where she brings the Christmas trees in. Yes. And that is another fun fact that actually Queen Charlotte did bring Christmas trees to England and made it a tradition. And yes. Brimsley says, all of England is blessed for you bringing this beautiful tradition to our holiday. And also she did, um, she was an early person who helped find and, and bring Mozart to the public eye. Which is crazy. I love how they touched upon that in this Because it's real, it's based in, in truth, yeah. yeah that I, I love how they did that. And But Mary, I, w- I want to go back to, to Violet and mm. her talking about the birthday hat uh, scenario okay. with her husband, with, with Edmund. Uh, I agree with you. It's that little bit of writing that makes me want to see her story. Yeah. Again, because it goes back to vulnerability. Right? Because I feel like there's must have been like this building over time, um, you know, like a beautiful. Because to me, the way she speaks about him, it wasn't forced. It wasn't. Well, eventually, I'll fall right, in love yeah. with him. It was just this like magical once in a lifetime love. But part of me also wants to keep that magical love between Violet and Edmund, kind of mysterious like i you know, I don't know because like, does he go off to war is he like a soldier and like oh maybe he's dead and he comes back like give me a love story like that oh i think there's there's an interesting narrative where they could keep going back to almost Will they how- be like in the notebook because she's so headstrong <laughs> oh. you're a pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> How would Lo- how would uh, young Bridgerton say that? Uh, uh, I don't know. You're a pain in my backside, which is unladylike. <laughs> you provide difficulty in my <laughs> in my rear. They cased. <laughs> um, I part of me wants just because he died young. Um, you know, a Violet has to look at him as a memory. So part of me wants to keep him as a memory as mm-hmm. opposed to living. Ooh, okay. Right. Because yes, we had the flashbacks in season two of Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's an, that's an interesting narrative device. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost get like sort of Luke Skywalker vibes from him in, in a sense that like he's a myth. Okay. And nobody is going to be able to live up to that. Wow. If you know what I mean. No, I do, Jelly Bean. It's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. You know, and and by the way, I say Luke Skywalker, not in, not in like A New Hope or whatever, but like in The Last Jedi or yeah. in The Force Awakens, where it's like, oh my god, like I know I've used this example a lot in Mary and Blake media, but like, oh my god, you knew you knew Luke Skywalker? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he was a myth. Like, yeah. I I thought it, he was like a thing. Like, you know, uh, just like a, a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Edmund feels very much like that to me. Um, and it's so very personal to Violet's kids and, you know, especially obviously Anthony, um, and, and Violet herself. And I kind of enjoy her reliving the hat moment. I just feel like by the rate that they're going, they would do no wrong. And I appreciate that you would want it to stay like this myth. But I, after seeing even just these three episodes of Queen Charlotte, I would trust them to make me be a puddle of mush, you know? Yes. Like I'm talking like Outlander wedding night mush of sensuality. Uh, fair of enough. Like, fair enough. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, can I touch upon Lady Danbury? Yeah, of course. So as I said, I, I think I'm actually going to go and like create 
a little thing about which houses I think all these people would be in in Hogwarts <laughs> because for her to be planning a ball, asking the princess, the Dowager Princess, mm-hmm. Dowager Princess saying, I don't think so. Yeah, and she just does it anyway. Yeah, and she just says, nope, we're going to do this and we're going to do it before they could tell me yes or no. This is going to be amazing. Um, what an intelligent and brave but bold, cunning woman. I mean, she goes and has the all this stuff printed. Mm-hmm. It's it blows my mind on a on kind of a like a prayer like mm-hmm. hopefully this is all going to work out uh, and it really works out because of her relationship and what she ends up saying to Queen Charlotte you know the whole you're not you, like you're going to change this you're not a simpering girl yeah. come on let's go let's mm-hmm. figure this out uh, and luckily Charlotte has the wherewithal and the self the the self awareness to say. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. Mm. You know, like, um, and I, I think they're, I think Shonda is certainly fleshing out these characters in a way that they deserve. Yes. Absolutely. Agreed. You know, Agreed. They, they, they pass the test of like, can you tell me about Agatha and Charlotte beyond what they look like, what they do, mm. you know, or, an action that they've performed. Let's talk about some actions that were performed in this episode. I got to tell you, I'm angry s- sex. Well, I, first, oh. first I want to say, I'm glad I'm done with the, the sex scenes with Lord and Lady. Danbury. We have moved on from I their know. sex. To I know. Good I'm sex. just, I'm just saying, I'm glad I'm done with it because it, it got old very quick. Yes. Got old Ba-dum-bum-ting. very quick. Ting. <laughs> the sex montage of Charlotte and George reminded me of the eating by herself montage. Ooh, Just good boom, one. boom. Yes. Different places, different outfits, different things, but like still monotone voices. And even doing it when they're eating. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Brimsley being like, get out of here. Holy yeah. smokes. Like they don't even care. And it makes me almost think that these royals just see the people who work for them as accessories, as wall dressings, because they are always there. They just get so used to them. Interesting. Like, do you really want to be seeing our bits? But whatever. I mean, they probably do see they their do bits anyway. all the time. I mean, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're changing and doing the whole thing. And like, thing. whatever, they'll be happy to know we are trying to make the air like, go and tell my mom all the time. Yeah, but yes, right. they're doing it all over the place, <laughs> but they are having crazy sex. Crazy yeah. sex. And it's it's interesting because, you know, at you know, obviously they come out as king and queen, they, they greet the crowd and, mm-hmm. and it's very lovey-dovey and oh my goodness, it's the king and queen and we, and then all of a sudden they, they shut the door. drop and, their hands. And see you later, yeah. gone. Except... Except, oh shoot, we have to go have sex. But I don't even think it's oh shoot when they have to go have sex. I think it begins that way. It's like all right, even day. Yeah. Like, ugh. but then they're so into it. They're but, like passionate and like cheeks touching and like embracing each other. Yes, and I'm that's like, the thing. this is so conflicted. They both dig each other right. so much, and they both love having sex. Right. And they can. Connect. I mean, hello. They have 15 babies. True. They can connect with each other on a on an intimate level. It almost reminds me of. Um, of uh, Claire and and Frank. In what Outlander. Claire says is yeah, that she's this like, is how... No matter what, we always could go back to being physical. That's how Ooh, we connected. yes. Like, that's how we got back to each other. Yes. And I think it's Charlotte's recognition and even George's recognition that there is something there. It's just a question of finding the road roadmap to get to it. Mm-hmm. The easy button, of course, is go bang. Yeah. Right? But the roadmap there is what... And again, this pays off the whole I'm your Venus thing. Like, that's the roadmap. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... 
that's the North Star to their relationship, mm-hmm. which I think will eventually fuel the, the the tension between the two for the rest of the season. Well, and I think that like when Charlotte gets to see this Farmer George aspect and who he really is out in the fields and he does have these dirty hands that it humanizes him because her one job right now is to make a baby. Mm-hmm. Granted, she really enjoys that process, but George kind of treats her poorly and she's mad at him because of that thing that she overheard with the Princess Dowager, you know, it is my job to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then when she says it to him in a different tone, actually understanding what those words mean, you know, the the that we play in the beginning of this episode, she just unlocks it because now she too is entwined in that. They are part of a team. Like she is here with him for the happiness and the misery of the country. And this is the this is her job is to create help create this air, but she also wants to be there to support him. And she realizes that heavyweights the crown for real. Yes. Uh, honestly though, I gotta say, once again, having coronation day. In a show air on the same weekend as King Charles's coronation day. Love the timing. I mean, seeing the crown, seeing the robes, seeing everybody, yeah. you know, where's the girl in the teal holding a sword? Come on, where's the sword person? <laughs> I want the sword, lady, I want damn a it. Sword. But I loved seeing them hold these seem like scepters and stuff that we then also got to see yeah. uh, Charles and Camilla have. Right. And I just thought it was a really neat thing. Obviously, Netflix knows what they're doing when it comes to the timing. Oh, they're sure. like, oh, you want a royal coronation? We'll give you one. Because that one was kind of boring. <laughs> Kind of boring. Oh my god! Would rather watch freaking my coppets grow. I mean, we watched it. We <laughs> loved it. But as Blake and I and our friend Julie had said, we wish that there was like pop up videos where yeah. it's like this sword is this old. This person's this person. Here's someone sleeping. Like I would have loved yeah. a little like it, American juicy. Oh sure. Uh, our friend Julie stuff. said, "Was like we, they should make this like pop up videos, uh, yeah. like on on VH1 for the for all of you olds out there, like us, <laughs> like us. You remember pop up video from VH1? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, p- part of that coronation process, Mary, is is Brimsley and Reynolds. By the mm-hmm. way, Reynolds' hair, dude, that that guy's love hair, it. Love wow, it. We are talking about." All the moose. Every bit of moose that was ever created is going into Reynolds' hair. And like a round blow dryer action. Oh, yes. And all the running he needs to do when he's running after the king or clearing people out of the rules. You know, there's a lot of product and I'm here for it. The bump it. Oh, the the bump it. His bump it is the extended version. Yes. Jersey Shore watch out. You ain't got nothing on Reynolds. That that was for some rare Jersey girls right there. That Reynolds bump it is like the elite of all bump it's. Um, Are we finding the time is the relationship between the two of them is and in, in like how how they interacted. Who are we talking about? Reynolds and, okay. and Brimsley. Uh-huh. Is that the right fit for this episode? The touch hands? The touch hands and the, the whole thing. Like, the, again, I, what do you, are you getting another writer that bit? Yeah, like that whole interaction. It just, I'm it, okay with it because we've been with them having sex and had all this stuff that it'd be weird if we didn't acknowledge their relationship at all. I did like Brimsley being nervous because obviously they're not an out together couple. They can't be. So, of course, sure. he has to be like, you're acting really strange. Now, granted, Reynolds is guarding the king downstairs in the cellar yeah. who's being examined. Um, so, Brimsley knows something's up. Like, we can't have this, we can't sit down and be like, all right, we're boyfriends. 
like, let's 100% tell each other the truth. There, there is some difficulty in this relationship. And then even showing that they can't hold hands. I love how the queen and king can have sex in front of a dozen people. Yeah. And, and not blink an eye, and these hands. guys can't even hold hands. I just thought it was a really neat dichotomy to show um, of how different things are. And it's somewhat reflective of season one of Bridgerton with with uh, Simon and Ooh. Daphne. Like it, it, it calls yes. back to it. It alludes to it. It's not in your face. Yep. But you got to when they're looking at the painting, yes. they got the hands. Ooh, nice. Yes, yes, I dig it. I somewhat dig reflects it. it. Um, I guess. I guess. I just. I'm. I don't know if there's enough space for this relationship. Um, I don't think there needs to be space. I think it needed to tide us over so the only sex we were seeing wasn't just the Danberries. Gotcha. I don't think that it's going to be like, ooh, Brimsley and Reynolds, because Reynolds isn't oh, in the I future. Oh, I like that point, Mary. Like I- We needed something to satiate us and get us through that. Yes, there's darkness and there's not a lot of love, but there's love somewhere. You just may not see it. You brought up a couple of good points. One is the only kind of relationship outside of George and Charlotte that we were getting is the Danberries. Yeah. And that is not a healthy relationship. So to show that there are people who are in love and or maybe not in love, but just are enjoying each other's company Mm -hmm. and are interested in each other in a way that is, you know, pleasing. Yeah. um, Yes, you're right. It does. It does fill the gap there. And I think that's an important thing to note. Right. Because if you don't have that balancing act, the balancing act that, you know, Queen Charlotte and King George are up until this point have been very rocky mm-hmm. and just unsure of each other. Then we have the other scope. The other side of this is the Danberries. And in between we have Reynolds and, and Brimsley. I personally don't think that we're going to be having too much more sex with Reynolds and Brimsley. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I'd be interesting to see the demographics of who the niche viewer is of Bridgerton because the past two seasons have been heterosexual uh, couples. Uh, I mean, the yes, the, ma- the main character. Yeah, the, the main, main characters is yes. what I'm saying. So, uh, like, there has been um, with Benedict uh, some, like, you know, yes, there there was some some dabbling, dabbling. Yes, but the niche viewers of the Bridgerton series, for the most part, uh, have been watching heterosexual relationships and intercourse. Yeah, and so I don't see this taking a far right and being like, now we're going to be showing a lot of queer couples uh, as frequently as the heterosexual couples in, in bed. I think that this was another example of diversity in this season that kind of makes it once again, really different from the, from Bridgerton Mm -hmm. that yes, we're going to be showing um, more, more, racial diversity and equality, but also giving a bit more equality sex time wise yeah. to, you know, to queer couples. And so I think, I don't think that this is going to be like ongoing. And as I said, we know Reynolds isn't in the future. Well, that we was going to be my him. next thing, Mary. When I you mean, s- he may be, we don't see the King, yeah. but we don't see Reynolds and Brimsley older versions right. hanging out that much. So once again, I think this is like another tragic thing that is just going to peter off, whether yeah. it's because in this season we see it or I'm, but I'm just saying now that we're having like loads of Charlotte and George sex, I think that's how this is going to continue. Yeah. You, you can see the, the, the transition, right. From, yeah. from how that, how they 
they maneuver themselves yeah. in and out like you know the the yeah, you're right. Okay. And also I think that just sex in general is going to get a little bit of a back seat now that the mental illness aspect has been opened up that, okay, yeah. we needed to like shove so much sex. Like you needed to have Thanksgiving dinner worthy sex, like <laughs> multiple courses, multiple things, yes. appetizers, a couple of desserts. You know what? Without the here's, tryptophan. Here's your, here's your like midnight <laughs> extra snack even. Yes. Okay. Like pump it full of luscious sex yeah. in this episode and then open the door for mental illness and, and the difficulties and the layers that that's going to be in this, this relationship. And I think we're really going to have a lot of time on that. Yeah. And the next thing I wanted to say, Mary, is you brought it up again, which is Reynolds is not there, no. you know, later on. And it's probably an affectation. We would recognize the bump it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's probably an affectation to the fact that, you know, he probably didn't exist as a character in the first two seasons of Bridgerton. Right. So it's it's I wonder how they're going to explain that away, whether it's well, you don't see the king a whole lot, so you're not gonna see Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Or does something happen between the two where like Well in general Does their relationship get out? Right? And yeah. does and and I doubt it. I mean, I would doubt it too, but Maybe that'll be another spin-off, the Brimsley. Right. But like that would be an interesting thing. Like yeah. right, like does Br- oh, 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 I love this is idea. Is this a scribbling prediction? Yes. There's do you need a sound effect? A, yes, I do. I, <laughs> I do. I do. Absolutely. Here it is. Uh, okay. There has to come a point when Brimsley has to choose the queen uh-huh. or Reynolds. Okay. And he chooses the queen. The only reason I can legitimize. I think he already did in this episode, though. No. Because Brimsley's putting up his pants. And he's like, come on, man. You said something about the doctor looking in his eye in the no, basement. Not no, there. No, no, okay. no. Dif- it, it, that's not it. Okay. There has to come a point where something happens and he actually has to make a choice. And I can, I can legitimize this entire relationship within this show if that choice happens. Right. Or or vice versa. Right. Like Reynolds has to choose between the king and Brimsley, like Mm -hmm. one or the other. It would be more fitting if Brimsley is the one who chooses who has to choose. Right. Because we eventually see Brimsley later on with the queen and then you understand like their relationship and and why he's still there. And it it recontextualizes the whole relationship Uh, to me. That. The experience we're sharing between the two of them is justified if a choice has to be made. Because Brimsley wants this relationship to continue with Reynolds. And obviously he tries to apologize and he does the whole thing. And eventually Reynolds comes back and says whatever. But I just, I think that something has to happen. Sorrows, sorrows, prayers. prayers. <laughs> Something bad will happen. And that Whether choice. Whether we see it or not. Yeah, that choice is what's important. Again, choice. It's not all great. It's not all bad. It's just good things and bad things mm. all at the same all at the same time. And you just hope that you've made the choice that there's more good than bad. Yeah. Uh, and I hope. I, I actually I hope that's what happens hmm. in this in this season. Why is the doctor looking in the king's eye? 
That's a great I that's a great question. What could be going on in I eye? am not a neurologist and I also su- suspect that this guy is not a neurologist. <laughs> were, were you sad that the princesses can't marry a hunter that gets lost and wanders in the grounds cuz I am. <laughs> I am sad for them. <laughs> oh mother, could we marry Hunter? No. I love this. Yes, I know you are old. Your wombs are likely dry and useless. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, man. There's always time for comedic relief. Seriously. There's always time for that. Uh, But, Mary, there's also this last scene with Brimsley and the Queen Mm -hmm. in the current timeline when the Queen asks him why her daughters are never married. And after some going back and forth, she's (laughs) like- Maybe not like you more. (laughs) Right. Uh, She- He. He. Well, she- she finally asked him, no, no, really? Like, yeah. what? what is this? And he says, well, you're still his queen, forever frozen, forever waiting. Your daughters could not leave you here trapped in time. I think, uh, and her response is great. Go over there. Don't look at me. Like, yep. <laughs> the Done. whole thing. I want more gold on my tree. Yep. Um, I want to know your interpretation of that line. Of which line, my Of the, you're still his queen, you're forever frozen, and your daughters wouldn't leave you to be stuck here in time. Mm -hmm. I want to know your interpretation of that, because I don't know how to interpret that, Hmm. in all honesty. I took it as, we love our mother. Even though she's just not a very loving mom, aside from her sarcasm. I mean, I don't really love it. But sorrows, sorrows. Yeah. Prayers. I mean, some of the, I see the boys kind of give some of it back. So maybe they're just like a sassy family. Sure. Um, but I see it as they are afraid to leave her and then have him pass and her be broken and totally alone. So I see it as they want to be there to help just support her. Mm. And honestly, she is alone most of the time because he isn't there with her. And she is just kind of aimless, you know, without her king. Um, And that they do get to keep her company. So, Mm. um, yeah, that's how I took it. That they want to be there to protect her and to give her somebody. Yeah, I... Someone to love. And and nerds, I would love to know what you think of of this scene uh, because i think that this scene is so and pardon the word but like so pregnant mm-hmm. of meaning and intentionality mm. from brimsley um and it just it feels it feels like he's trying to say something what you're saying mary but he says also that you are his queen like and frozen in time like mm-hmm. what but so are the girls not frozen in time because he hasn't passed on like there is no crowned heir you know so she is still the queen they still are her daughters they still are the princesses like everything is still frozen he hasn't been able to die and you know have the throne be passed on to somebody else and they kind of grow up yeah so what do you interpret then forever frozen forever waiting like what? Again, I I think that 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 is just so full of um authorship. What do you think? I don't know, and that's why I'm struggling with it. 
and I and I and I know you you the listener. I just think it like it is just that it's Groundhog Day every day. Ah, okay. You know that he hasn't come back. Um, cause from what it feels to me is that like, maybe they were, um, young enough, but, but still old enough to remember a bit when he was a bit more sane and they remember their daddy and they too are waiting for him to come back. So whether he's going to come back mentally and like live happily ever after as this beautiful family, or if he's going to pass and then there is a change, but I feel like, you know, it, it, we see the monotony of the queen. Is he dead? Is he dead? Is he dead? Whenever somebody shows on up, like she is continually in this state of like concern and it just, I think they're the kids kind of feed off of that. Um, it's almost like their mom is, is dealing with her own mental I- issues. You know, I don't yeah. want to say um, illness in any way, but like it makes me think of of parents whose whose child is on life support or is in the NICU and just this constant like state of worry where they can't really see outside their bubble because they have to be so focused on their loved one that needs and deserves their attention, mm. or um, you know. Uh, there's also just this this feeling that like when one of your family members is in need that the whole family particularly the women who you know as we see the guys are out like having sex with actresses and married women but it seems like the women tree sex um with tree sex yes um (laughs) want to still be there and have that sisterhood and kind of like hang out close together because you don't know if it's going to happen at any moment um I don't know. You got anything else for this episode, my love? I uh, The last thing is that I just think that they're opening up this door for conversations about um, older relationships, relationships with people who are older, whether do you find new love? Um, do you, do you wait? Like a lot of people, you know, uh, their, their partners uh, go through things, whether it's uh, Alzheimer's or long-term bouts of, of illness like cancer and like sticking by them and how that really changes your dynamic and how it changes your relationship dynamic that you may think of romantically. Um, you know, people who never really got to have a, a great love. I just think it's interesting to be seeing these elder women and their relationships and, and how they either reflect on them mm. or how they're, how they're in it. It just, it's once again, a different element than we've had than Bridgerton. Bridgerton has just been the young courtship love sure. and it hasn't been about the nitty gritties of marriage and the nitty gritties that you lose people or that you lose people mentally, but they're still physically here yeah. and and you're, you're caring for a loved one. Um, I just think it's a really interesting conversations or it's just interesting to make people think and feel about that. And you go to sleep and you're like, wow, this is so complex. That's kind of, why I think I go back to Queen Charlotte being almost the anti-Bridgerton, yeah, <laughs> right? Because there is, there are a number of layers here, uh, and it's the grown-up Bridgerton. You know, it's not quite succession layered, right? Where you're just watching bad people do terrible mm. things, but you still feel connected to them. But I mean, it it is in comparison to Bridgerton, right? Uh, and I just think it's so much more complex, and it's grown up, you know. Like young love, you just think like happily ever after, right. yay, or you broke my heart, I'm going to cry. But like there's seasons of life that are luscious and full of love and we mourn them like how Lady Bridgerton mourns them. Sure. And then there's seasons of life where there is illness in your world and it puts everything on pause. Yeah, right. Uh, there's seasons of life where you loathe people and you hate yourself for loathing. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that you can like want things that other people don't want. You know, we look at Lady Danbury who has no <laughs> conversations really about her kids, mm. you know, whereas Violet, completely different. Sure. 
So I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I am looking forward to revisiting Bridgerton hmm. and watching the Queen Charlotte scenes yeah. with more context now. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to... I don't want to go to that place where it's easy to go and say, like, oh, Queen Charlotte's better than Bridgerton or or vice versa. Like, I... I think it's very easy to have that conversation. I think it's a low-hanging fruit in that kind of conversation. Well, it's just a different show on ge- in general. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I was about to say. Like, it's just it's very purposely not the same show. Yeah, it's and, purposely called Queen Charlotte. Yeah, but I mean, you could they could have made a Queen Charlotte show and made it feel like Bridgerton. Like, it, it could have happened. Yeah, and there is Bridgerton DNA in there. Oh yes. Um, you know, it feels very much like uh, Alien and Prometheus. Those two films. Okay. Where <laughs> the cat is driving me crazy. Our cat just moved and made the microphone hit Mary's face. <laughs> that was funny. Um, you know, there was alien DNA in Prometheus, but Prometheus was a very different film than than Alien, and that's what I'm getting from Queen Charlotte and Bridgerton. Anyway, the last thing I want to talk about for this episode is, um. Queen Charlotte is in this kind of rare place where it's addressing the race issue without addressing it head on. That's what I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love it. And yeah, I was, I just wanted to get your interpretation of it. that. And is that, is that the most effective way to do it? I think because we have the whole visual aspect. Yes. Even in the dancing at the ball, the dancers were doing different dances, sure, like different moves. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the visual aspect. I don't think we need verbally. Oh, the brown people are on the opposite side of the white people. We yeah. don't need that, right? We can see we're yep. grown ups. Yep, visual storytelling, if yes. you will. All right, all right. You got anything else? No. All right. I do have a, a one email here from, okay. a, from a listener that I, I want to read. This one comes from Tammy. She says, hey, Mary and Blake, regarding your comments about how it would be known whether or not the wedding had been consummated, it wasn't just a matter of his or her word. Charlotte was a virgin. And from the time for time immemorial, the men that mattered, in quotes, would have had the sheets checked to see if she bled from her giving her way her maidenhead. Mm-hmm. Do you recall the scene in Yentl when the title character spilled a bit of wine on the sheets during their wedding night? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. That's why she that's what she was trying to stage. In some cultures, their sheets were paraded around for all to see. Thank God. Also, it's interesting to me that Lady Danbury had a dim view of sex from her marriage, something to be endured, and even though even told the Queen to watch out for the headbanging part. Since Charlotte obviously enjoyed her experience, I wonder why she didn't tell Lady Danbury that it was much better than she described. Maybe Lady Danbury would then think her experience wasn't typical. Anyway, loving your takes on Bridgerton, uh, this Bridgerton prequel, and looking forward to hearing more. Cheers from Tammy. So. I think that she didn't want to tell her because she would feel bad. Like, man, yeah. she's got bad sex. Yeah, that's going to make her feel even worse. <laughs> All right, you ready to close this bad boy out? Yes. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm.
Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are halfway through the Queen Charlotte series. Don't forget to hit that share button to leave us a written review in Apple Podcasts on the Bridgerton with Mary and Blake podcast feed. Writing a sentence or two means so incredibly much to us. It helps other people who love this series find our podcast, um, share it with some friends, put it in your stories or on your social media feed, or just send them a little text message and say, hey, I know you were talking about Queen Charlotte. Check out this podcast. We truly appreciate it. And, and we, if, sorry, yeah. go ahead. And no. we just also want to say thank you for uh, our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. Yes. You make all of this possible. And of course, go to maryandblake.com to check out all the great podcasts and blogs that we have going on over there. Uh, as well as all of our socials, just look up Mary and Blake. That would be that would also include uh, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Just Mary and Blake. Go to jointhenerdclan.com, as Mary said, to get all the great benefits of what we're doing here, Mary and Blake Media. Because that's <laughs> my cat is assaulting Mary. Oh. She's like, Mom, 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 Mary, Mary, Ma, Ma, Mary, Mary. <laughs> I'm touched out. I'm touched out. <laughs> it's coronation day. Let's go. Uh, all right. Yeah. So that's that. My name's Mary. No more assaulting from the cat. <laughs> and I'm just Blake. Now go out there and brew some more tea. Or spill it. You do whatever you want with that tea. Drink However it. it works for you. Sip it. Put some lemon in it. A little milk. A little, a little bit of milk. Are you a sugar and lemon person or are you a milk person? I'm sugar? a milk. My milk and sugar. It depends on the tea, I think. Yeah, I can appreciate that. If it's if it's an Earl Grey tea, yeah. I'm just a lemon and sugar guy. That's good for you. If it's regular breakfast tea, you. I love that for you. <laughs> if it's a regular breakfast tea, I'm all about the milk life. If it's a like herbal tea, I'm honey. Oh, honey and herbal tea is great. Yeah. Or candy cane tea. Oh, I love candy cane tea from Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> we have it all year round, even though you're not supposed to, because I love it so much and I buy so much Just of it. boxes and boxes <laughs> of candy cane tea in our house. Oh my gosh. On that note, friends. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.